0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk shoes. Recorded live. It's Thursday night and that means that once again it's time for another episode of Live from the Cheap Seats. I'm your host Matt and as usual. I'll be guiding tonight's festivities here. And we've got a um, fantastic guest who's going to join us here in a couple of seconds to bat, talk about Some of the great work that he's put out this week on the Sports Fan Journal um, about both the passing and the legacy, and some personal experience as well with uh, Jerry Tarkanian, the famed UNLV coach who passed earlier this week. Um, Also, we will talk a little bit about the passing of Dean Smith of uh, North Carolina Tar Heel lore. Big week, man, with the passing of such two titans in not just college basketball, but in the coaching ranks in general. And on top of that, two really distinct personalities that kind of shape the direction of sports in their time, really. So uh, we'll get into that with Mark here in a second. Um, you know, hey, you tuning in here on the National Gridiron Network. You can um, definitely tune in every, every night of the week for the most part. There's something going on here for you to get involved in. So lock the channel in. Stay tuned with us here. And you can find pretty much anything in your lane that you need along the way. Big things coming up here over the next few months as well, too. Um, and for me, myself, um, we've um, th- did just finished up our positional we'll countdown over at Cheap seat, please. ranked 110, 120, I'm sorry, i got to count to 115. I only did five DHs because it's half a position, so I'll get to that. But we can check that out. We'll talk a little bit about that later on in the uh, show and look ahead to a little bit of what's going to be going on there, too. But um, without any other delay, I wanted to bring in our guests for the evening. Not a, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you you know Tribble. If you, hopefully, you follow Tribble on Facebook, on Twitter. Hopefully, you if you know him good enough to follow him on Facebook. You should follow him here, too. And I, I know him that good. I can, I, I can talk to Mark for a long time. Mm-hmm. We won't talk as long today, or about as many things as we could, but we did anyway. But Tribble, what's up, man? Thanks for making it on to the show tonight, y'all.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. Uh, not much going on, but I uh, had, had a pretty sad week this week in college basketball, and uh, I'm flattered that you invited me on to talk about it.
0: Oh, man, I mean, after the, I, I, I knew, you know, I, I can recall back when you you posted some of the stuff with um, Coach Tarkanian a while back, and let's just go, if we can go straight into that, I mean, that was, you know, that's a writer's dream to go in. And anybody that, anybody that's listening, I mean, I have to direct you towards um, – you can uh, you can see it on my Twitter feed. You can see it on Mark's Twitter feed. You can see it on Facebook. I mean, anywhere. You, you've got to be able – you've got to take a look at these articles that he put up, and uh, especially one you'd go back a little bit. But you had the opportunity to do a series of interviews that turned into – a, a work with the coach Tarkanian. How, how did that go? I mean, can you just kind of give the background on that and, and what that meant to you to be able to have that opportunity? Can you hold on a second, Matt? Sorry, Matt. Yeah. you got. You got to hold on a second. I'll get to I'll that in a
1: second.
0: Mark's doing us a salad tonight because he's actually he's actually the the consummate beat writer. He is. He's actually on site tonight, Man and the Lions, for his, uh, for his publication. So doing us a, a, a good solid with that one. Um, I will say I'll go back. I'll go back and put him over while we're, uh, <laughs> while he's gone. Um, you know, as the Sports Fan Journal this week, you know, did a great job of going in and, um, and 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 really giving a heartfelt, the type of thing you would expect to see from somebody who had such a a, a prominent Figure in their career and 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 had an impact on what it is that they did professionally. To be able to write a piece about them passing is never something that you want to do, but you know to be you able know, to do it in an eloquent way and to be able to describe the way that you feel about that experience is is something that is um, really uh it's really a uh, encouraging thing to see. Um, myself earlier this year I had a It's not a privilege to do it, but, I mean, you do – when you get halfway through writing what I would call probably a a eulogy in a way, a memorial um, of somebody that you respected greatly, you know, it gives you a certain type of uplift when you're doing it, especially if you've had interaction with that person. Um, A few months ago, I did that with um, the late Brian Burwell, who had a big impact on me as a writer and as a, you know, as a (laughs) semi-occasional moonlighting reporter as well, too and um, being able to go out and do that. So when you read a piece like that and you really feel it, you know, you understand it. I mean, and if you go back in time, you know, Clark was obviously one of the faces of, of sports just in general in, in the early 90s, especially when his UNLV teams were just ruling the roost. I mean, that was an exciting time in college basketball, around that time when, you know, you had Duke emerging, as that real at the beginning of their real run and you had north carolina that was in the fold then you had michigan you had fab fab five that was going on at that time as well too and you had unlb and i think that history has to recall the fact that unlb was just tremendous during that time i mean they were they were one of the absolute one of the absolute forces in all the sports during that time and i mean and you you see guys like Larry Johnson, Stacy Augman and Greg Anthony. I mean, and just tremendous talents that were on that team, and and you know they were one of those teams that made it cool, that made college basketball cool. And Tark was at the front of that. I mean, he was the guy that really kind of molded that together and and pushed that forward. So, time has to remember him kindly, I feel, and it, and it is sad that in many times when uh when a figure passes on is when we appreciate them the most. But I think that the fact that you have younger guys like Mark and like myself who have that appreciation for the past that are going out and pursuing some of those figures from our figurative years and formative years and bringing them into the fold with our work that we do now, that is um, it's a great thing to see. Uh, you would need to go to the Sports Fan Journal here today. You can actually link into both of those pieces, the, uh, there's they featured pieces there on the site. One that, brings man. in the info for the other. Yeah, I'm here, Mark. Um, Sorry, I'm, man. I'm actually I'm, back. I'm singing your I'm singing your praises here. You know, you'd go into the site and you would be able to find that one piece. And about halfway through there's a link back to the work that, you know, we're gonna pick back up and talk with Mark about when he actually did go through the process of reaching out to Tarkanian who, you know, explains in the piece today about how that became such a common figure form, you know, so 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 well, talk to me, man. How was that? What was it like being able to get into that type of relationship with him and being able to reach out and have and even have that chance to interview him in the first place? Well, it was interesting. It was something I always wanted to do um, just from a
1: personal fan perspective. And um, when I realized that I had the outlet of um, journalism to maybe connect with Coach, um I reached out to someone at the Las Vegas Sun, who who told me, you know, straight up, he said, you know, um, I'll pass along your number to uh, to Tark, and um, he'll get in touch with you. He's usually pretty available. And um, when I sent him an email back with my contact information, he just emailed me right back and said, you know what? Here's here's his phone numbers. Just call him anytime. I'm sure he won't mind. Um, and that was about the heaviest. I mean, that was about the heaviest myself I ever got. I I mean, it was difficult to make that call because this is someone I grew up, uh, you know, worshiping in a way. A lot of people grow up, you know, worshiping Michael Jordan. To me, I always had a fondness for coaches and especially uh, Tarkanian was such a figurehead and, I mean, a galvanizing figure in uh, sports. It was difficult. I called him, you know, I talked to him, you know, once a week for a few months and, um, something like that, and, well, we developed a rapport, and it was it was great talking to them. I, I think the biggest thing, and, and in this industry, you know, no matter what it is, and you've had this experience before, see these people on television, and they become an icon, or, or they become something bigger than the sport uh, to you, and when you speak to them, you realize they're just people. And uh Tark was just an old man i mean, I mean he's an older guy, you know and and he was happy to talk about basketball and um that's kind of how it came together and we talked about a lot of different things we talked you know i mean mostly basketball related obviously, but um you know, were things he didn't want to talk about and uh you know with the n c two a as he called it, but then you know if you brought up u c l a he would he would get on the he would get on the NC2A uh, wagon without <laughs> without even noticing I think and and just kind of talk about how unfair it was um he never liked UCLA and it it was an interesting thing and for me I was so excited to have the opportunity to do it and um I actually held on to that probably too long in my first piece that I wrote I said um I probably could have gotten it out sooner, and I'd been to Vegas a few times and tried to meet up with him, and he was out of town or had an engagement or, or whatever uh, the few times I was out there. I did sit down with his equipment manager, whom I talked to last night uh, in the wake of his death, and the guy who used to fold his towels that he chewed on, um, I talked to him when I was in Vegas for a couple hours, and I got to know the essence of, of TARC, uh behind closed doors a little bit, which was nice, but... I held on to the post because I wanted to be perfect and, and being the procrastinator I was, I, you know, I didn't, I, I had too big a bar, too high a bar for it. And um, when he made the hall of fame, there was a groundswell of support before the votes um, for him in the media and everyone kind of rediscovered the topic of Tarkanian. So I kind of missed my punch in terms of getting out in front of that. But after he made it in, i felt like I did him his uh his due and um and wrote the piece. Um and it and it still means more to me than any piece I've ever written, um, in terms of in terms of journalism,
0: there's no doubt about that. And and you know and uh, one of the things that I've found in the time that you know, the little bit of time that I've actually gone forays into reporting as well, on site reporting as well too, is that sometimes you don't want to meet the guys that or those people, like you said, you know, you see on TV or that you might have grown up with a certain reverence for, you know, for me, it, it wouldn't necessarily be the guys that I cover now regarding the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, I, I I don't revere those guys. I appreciate them, but, you know, I mean, I don't revere too many active athletes right now. But it's the guys like, you know, the the the, the legends that were like Tark. When you sat down, you know you said that your phone was. You know, I understand that feeling when you get ready to ask a question about something you know tons of things about. You've had questions and opinions about your whole life, and then you go to ask for, look for it, and it's not there. Um, how long did it take for you to kind of get into that ebb and flow with talk? Because I know you, as I know you, you're one of the most amicable, <laughs> well-adjusted people I've ever met in my life. So, you know, how did that? How did that go for you? Getting ingrained like that. Um, you know, it,
1: it probably took a phone call or two. Um, and I, and I didn't know also, you know, anytime you, you talk to someone who's older on the telephone, you know, like even when I call my grandmother, you know, I make sure that she knows who's calling and, and, you know, not that, not that she doesn't have a great memory because she does, but, um, you know, to get that rapport, the back and forth and the understanding of who I am, what I'm doing and, um. And uh, the comfort level, which is difficult for anyone reporting it, especially over the phone. Um, it took a couple phone calls, but but it was, I mean, it was relatively easy. And when we could talk about whatever was going on in basketball, I mean, Tark was still sitting at home watching basketball, or he was going to watch uh, UNLV uh, courtside, and um, you know, we had. We had conversations, but it probably took a, a couple phone calls to to really ease into it and, and um, like I said, develop. I don't know. I mean, to me, I would call it a friendship, you know, over a period of time, but it wasn't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say Tartanian w- would have called me his friend, but to me, you know, I mean, that's what we did. We, we talked sports and uh, no different than I talked with you and uh, when we're not on air or, or when you are, and it was – uh it took a little bit of doing because this is someone who was just he was just so big to me growing up, man. I mean, he was. He was so big and um it it was it was getting over that mental hurdle of whom he was in my eyes as a child compared to whom he was when
0: I was interviewing him as an adult. And that was difficult. Well, so when you get there and you get in front of a guy like that, I mean, in, in your piece you talk about you know how many times you know that you viewed that tape and you know having the things remembered from like the the, the moments Jim Nantz stated about it, and then ultimately the unfavorable outcome in that game with anybody that has a soul who knows that Duke winning and having great moments is unfavorable outcome. But um, mm-hmm. that that is uh, you know something that sticks with you there. Um, when you get a chance to talk about moments like that, you know. Does, does it become a different experience now on the other end when you look back at it compared to the way that it had built its lore with you as a, as a kid? Now that you've had such insight into it. Well, I think so, and I know that that loss haunted
1: Tartanian in his whole life, and um, you know, and it, it haunted me too retroactively, <laughs> and and anyone who didn't like Duke, but um, you know, for that moment to be what it was, and I think you know, I, I saw some, something somewhere from a reporter out there that said, you know, that was really their shot at immortality to win two in a row and to go undefeated. And, um, you know, that certainly stuck with them. And, you know, when you talk about Tark or you talk about Dean Smith and these guys, I mean, these are the most hyper competitive people in the world. Um, and the losses stick with them. So, you know, and frankly, uh, we've talked about it a couple of times, but I wasn't too interested in, in, uh, you know, bringing up things that were painful for them. You know, we talk about when they won the championship or, or something else. But you just realize that this is this guy's whole life. You know, it goes into goes into coaching, and you get to the championship and or the final four, and you lose. Uh, you, I mean, you never get over that. No. And no. It's, to it's me, funny. it. To me, it stunk. You know, but I mean, I didn't spend my whole life preparing for that, so. Um, there was certainly difficulty talking about topics like that, talking about how he left UNLV and talking about the NCAA scrutiny and things like that. I mean, there was always um, things that were left unsaid because, what you know, I mean, I'm not going to press the guy on it. you older yeah. guy he's just trying to enjoy his retirement and take it day yeah. by day. So, um, but, but you just realized the effect it had on the people involved is so much bigger than it, than it is to the people who consume
0: it. Uh, you know, I always find, you know, the thing about coaches that is almost remarkable, and it gets kind of lost in the way that they might be scrutinized in the moment for their decisions or that happens when, you know, after the point, is how close they are, not just with the people that you know, not just Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogden and Greg Anthony and whatnot and those guys are that ilk, but everybody that's within that program and especially a guy that is you know in 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 a way that Tarkanian was such a presence with the people uh, of that program i mean he really might be the the, the face of UNLB i mean there's really not anything i think of certainly when i think about UNLB i don't think about anything else besides that in in that same vein just a, just in a really weird way just a kind of a gut punch type of way really a guy that was the face and the revolutionary of of a lot of causes, and some of them being much more important than um, good basketball. Dean Smith passing a couple of days just before that, and uh, I know I know that that also registered and moved the meter for you as well, too. What was that like when you first came down on the word about that and some of the first few things that went through your mind about him when that news hit you? Um, when Dean
1: Smith died, um, I, I was in the car and I found out and, um, I had a lot to do on Sunday. I, w- I was, uh, some dude and, and I certainly reflected on it a lot, but, uh, North Carolina basketball is a big deal and it's a big deal nationally, but it's a really big deal regionally. And, uh, You know, in the old ACC, which, you know, when it wasn't expanded, I grew up in that country where it was, you know, everyone had to pick a team and everyone either picked the University of Virginia. My father went to Virginia Tech, so I didn't obviously want to do that. Maryland and um, Duke or Carolina. I mean, that's who everyone rooted for. It's one of the four. And... um, my brother going to school in North Carolina, not at the, not at Chapel Hill, but in North Carolina. And uh, my brother, my brother-in-law is a huge Carolina fan. I kind of just grew up a Carolina fan, especially hating Duke so much. And um, Dean Smith was, I mean, it, it, North Carolina has this image um, for the people that believe in it of being this pristine, you know, basketball year-in-year-out tradition. Um, so many great players, you know, you can only get your number retired if you were a, a, an All American. Um, it's a big deal, you know, and, and the guy who started all that was Dean, and so Dean had a godlike presence uh, just in the program and for the fans that rooted for him, and that was difficult. Uh, obviously, he knew his health had failed, so it wasn't sad um, that he left because, um, you know, he probably deserved better or, you know, he the people around him had seen him uh lose most of his memory. But it was it's difficult because you think about what he stood for more so than what was going on today or tomorrow. Both these guys lived long lives and they won a lot of games and they enjoyed a lot of success. It's not necessarily sadness because they're gone, but, you know, as you alluded to earlier, it's a change of the way sports are, and um, these icons go, and I said it today in my Tarkanian piece, man, our heroes die, that's what they do, most of our parents will die, you know, our older, our, the people we look up to that are old, much older than us will pass away, and so that's always difficult, and you get a grasp of what they represented to you, and what they represented overall, and Dean and Tarp represented very different things. But yes. Both were impactful uh in my life certainly
0: as a sportsman. Well, I, I think when I think about Dean Smith, you know, and I grew up a North Carolina fan as well too. Um, you know, I mean you just thought about that end all regular excellence, you know, but you kind of it kind of really got underscored about the fact that you talked about in a way about the 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 real when you could put your hands on seeing the impact that somebody's made in um in real life as well, too, you know, um, handing it down from Larry Brown and handing that down to Roy Williams and then Roy Williams handing that down to Matt Doherty, you know, and then it coming. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I apologize there. Bill Guthridge in between there, who was a longtime stalwart, handing that to Matt Doherty and then handing that to Roy Williams as well, too. And you see all of these people are just outliers of the success and the steadfastness of... Um, of Dean Smith, I think one of the interesting things that I heard this week was about how well invested he was in those, in the guys that you know you look up. Like you said, people will look up to Michael Jordan to be a hero. Well, I mean he was well invested in Michael Jordan's life, not just his basketball, you know. And then you hear things like Jerry Stackhouse and Matt Doherty sent him their financial readouts for like their entire careers because they weren't anything but kids from North Carolina that got picked up by him and then kind of had a change in their life. You know, kind of, too, had major changes in our life by that association. I think that of that era, there was so much of a wave of association of success from being associated with guys like Tark and guys like Dean Smith. Um, you don't see that as much anymore. Do you think that with these guys passing some that there's an era that's, that's dying of the the long-reach and the long-term influence of coaches over the game and over the culture as well, too?
1: I think, in a way, that's very much the case. Uh, and and I think a part of that is the way we're structured now. And, obviously, we don't have these dynasty teams that spend three or four years together, like the Georgetown in the 80s or some of the Carolina teams or even Vegas. I mean, you know, these guys, the best players are one and done for the most part. And um, I think the coaches are credited with their recruiting and and their ability to to coach X's. And I think in the isolated event of a season or a game or a team, we certainly give a lot of credit to the coaches. But what do they represent uh, long term? And well, I don't think we're ever going to think of Anthony Davis as a Kentucky basketball player. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we but we think of Patrick Ewing as a Georgetown basketball player, and. And some people I mean, you remember, you know, obviously Jordan's a different case, but even you look at a guy like Jordan, you know, and, and as the saying goes, Dean Smith, the only man who could hold him under twenty points, well, the impact Dean Smith had on Michael Jordan's life because he spent a few years with him, uh, is is just huge and Michael said as much in his in his release after uh being passed. But I think that the It's just a generational thing. I mean, it's just changed. The game is individualistic now more so than it ever was before. Um, You did have people like Ralph Sampson, Patrick Ewing, James Worthy, Larry Johnson that were above and beyond. But at the end of the day, you knew you had Bobby Knight, you knew you had Dean Smith, you knew you had Mike Krzyzewski, you knew you had Jim Beheim, John Thompson, Tarkanian. These guys were going to be there. When the dust settled and when Patrick Ewing left, there would be Alonzo Mourning or Dikembe Mutombo. And when, you know, Reggie Theus left, eventually there would be a Larry Johnson and so on and so forth. And now um, I don't look at these guys, a lot of them, as college basketball players. I look at them as amateur professionals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that that's what makes, not to say that his success doesn't, because that would be, ludicrous to, to, to allude towards. But I think that that is one of the things that really makes Mike Krzyzewski stand out in this time as well, too, is that he is, is Duke basketball, you know, but he's even more of a stalwart in that regard because of the fact that there's nobody else, nobody, that holds that same type of contemporary stance with the school. I mean, you know, Roy Williams' memory is going to be based on the things he did in Kansas and – some of the things that he achieved in North Carolina. You know, you, you just look around. I mean, Jim Behinds probably the only other guy that's in that vein that's left now. And, you know, the Calipari, not a knock against him, you know, but fantastic fantastic recruiter first. And I think that that's kind of becoming the mold for what people are now. And so in a way, Calipari and Urban Meyer, I would say, are probably the models and Nick Saban are the models for how coaching is now. It doesn't have that same – the long-term prestige of being at one place and knowing that that person is going to be there.
1: Hey, Matt, give me a second, will you?
0: Yeah, sure. So, you know, and you look at that, expanding on that idea, it's 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 interesting to see that. A lot of credit is, or discredit, I'll say, comes down on the kids for, so, you know, one and done and being gone and saying that there's not as many, um, you know rules and regulations to keep them in place. That it's a little bit of an incubator or a, a necessary stop in order to go to the NBA. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's a tough line to walk when you say that because in a way the guys that are setting the path for them, you know, they're doing the same thing. I mean, they're doing the exact same thing. So you don't see that in any in any sport. I'm not sure. Um, you know ab- about whether that. If that changes, if it becomes any different, if, if anything can ever revert, is this the way that it goes now? Not a big fan on the nostalgia of, um, of association, I would say, of, getting, of, of saying that guys need to go back to the way things used to be. But I, I think that in a certain way, the NFL relationship with the NCAA gets a few things right. And I think that things that create a little bit, just even a, a, a element, even if it's a forced part of steadfastness to stand with the program, helps. It's more identifiable to watch college football than it is to watch college basketball now in, in today's age. And while, while college basketball is still, you know, just an insanely fun game to watch, I mean, I think that some people say it's, the quality isn't good. I mean, I challenge anybody who says that to, Play against one of those kids. I remember the fifteenth guy on Mizzou basketball team giving me like twenty-five points and one half an intramural in, in college. Nobody's gonna say that guy couldn't play ball to me. But you know, it's um, it it it's how's basketball just doesn't have that same identifiable nature. And I think that in a way, that's become the fact. The matter that those coaches aren't there to create those. Um, standards anymore at those universities to say a guy wants to go and play for that guy because he's been there since he was a kid. You know, that guy's been there and has been a part of the identity that made him grow up and want to be associated with that. You know, um, it, I go back to the idea of something I read not too long ago about J.J. J. Watt, who was a skinny quarterback in, um, in high school that set his mind out about the fact that he wanted to be a Wisconsin badger. That was the thing that he wanted to do. So he went out and put in the work, did what he had to do, and got there, got that opportunity to play. There was another one of those long-term coaches that was in tow during that time that he was forming that dream, and Barry Alvarez there, and some pretty successful players that followed in that mold mold of that same time period happened. You know, he gets there. He goes from – and a kid that walks onto the, the team there to being one of the greatest defenders in the history of the the program by the time he leaves and now is hands down the best defender in the NFL but you know what happens in the NFL or what happens in the NBA shouldn't hold bearing on what happens in college. And to a certain extent it's gonna be a little bit of waxing poetic, I'd say, but you have the opportunity to have a different element. Just a a completely different type of uh, vibe from college sports, where you have the opportunity to have the um, that long-term, you know, hey, I'm going to be with this kid for a while. This is what it's going to be. We're going to be, you, you know, we're going to grow together. The guy I He's going to be there. you got a chance to kind of grow that loyalty in a way that you don't see. But the free agent outcome, the free agent world has stretched out to the college ranks as well, too, and it, hasn't stopped short with just the players. It's happened with the coaches as well, too. And I think that now that you see a guy like Tark or a guy like Dean Smith passing on, it really knocks home the point that, you know, that, that era, that philosophy, the guys that did that are not, no longer with us and they're moving on. And they're not just moving on from the from the coaching ranks to go pro or to retire. I mean, they're leaving the world. You know, so um, it's encouraging Imagine to Kevin see. Back.
1: Me, good, good.
0: Yeah. good, man. It's encouraging to see guys like Roy Williams and Bill Self that are there and building that. But even then, I mean, there's still more than one era that happens for a lot of these guys, and that's the way it works. So he was just talking a little bit about the um, that changing element in college sports in general and how it's kind of in a way it's a free agency element of it. Do you, do you feel like that has impacted college basketball? I feel like college basketball is one of the more difficult to identify sports, it's not the most difficult to identify with sport now due to the fact that it is, in a way, an incubator for the NBA, for better or for worse. I mean, well, no matter what side of the fence you stand in on that and the rights of the players have to go pro. I mean, what, what's your take on that?
1: Oh, well, I think the game has changed immensely. But I, I think the one thing about college that is still, uh, even in the new dynamic, is still great is that the smaller schools or the lesser schools, the kids that stay in school, it helps them. And when it comes to tournament time, I mean, um, you know, Duke losing to Mercer, and that was an experienced Mercer team who played together, and, and they were pretty darn good. Even now at the top of the polls, I mean, at one you have Kentucky, who's loaded with uh, lottery picks and first-round draft picks who will play in the NBA, and number two you have Gonzaga, who's you know, Pangos has been there for feels like forever. You got Wiltshire is a transfer from Kentucky. Um, You know, they've got some aged guys there that that are playing, according to the polls, the second-best basketball in the country, and they're right behind the lottery picks. And if they played one game, you know, who knows? Gonzaga could beat them. And uh, I think that that is – I think it's added a nice little element of that, uh, the parity even more so than before for college basketball. Because if you have a good mid-major team, that plays together for a few years, you can beat a really talented uh one eight, uh top team that that maybe their guys are one and done. And um I but I do think it's changed things. It absolutely has. I mean Calipari uh is a is a smart is a madman. He's a smart one. And he knew to use this to his advantage would be would be great. And with Kentucky as his as his uh backbone there, he absolutely has used it as the model for the major schools and no one can even recruit with it. I mean, no one can top Kentucky when it comes down to it. Who gets a couple of these great guys. Um, I feel like Carolina hasn't in a while. And, but that's the risk they run is that Kentucky will lose these guys and the next year's guys, they have to come together in the span of a season instead of the span of a career. And, that's that's fine with Cal. I'm sure he's going to win some championships now. I mean, he's already won one. So I, I think it has changed a lot. I don't think it's less than the product necessarily because you're still going to have kids. There's just too many schools and too many kids that aren't going to play in the NBA. Um, you're still going to have kids who are playing, you know, the same type of basketball we grew up seeing.
0: You, you know, maybe, maybe for me, I, I think that that that, that, that does raise a lot of good points. I mean, I think this Kentucky team is really something to watch. I mean, it's, it's a hell of a prototype that Cal is putting out there, and it's really it's kind of like the revolution in a way, you know I mean? It's really showing the fact of the way that you can go about doing it. And even to a certain extent, he still is building a little bit of a base of guys that are returning. It's not, you know, like he's going out and getting the top ten players in the class of 2014 and putting them all on the same team together. I mean, you know, there's still a guy that – hanging out and hanging over because they're not getting those minutes and they're not getting all of those things. Who knows if he can sustain that model with that many of them at one time long-term. But, you know, when you look around, you, last year you had, you had, for example, you had Wichita State last year. You know, a few years ago you had San Diego State. Gonzaga's now become a stalwart, you know, a team team that, that kind of has lived on that underdog vibe for a little while there. But, you know, I, I know that you're a traditionalist. In regards to a lot of the ways that things are supposed to go around in sports or supposed to probably isn't the right word but do you feel any um, do you feel any sense of like sometimes when you look at those areas and you I mean obviously you had to do it this week looking back at some of the things of Dean Smith's career and um, and, and Tark's career do you feel any longing in a way that kind of seems like it was like a completely different Sport that you watch with college basketball at that time? Not necessarily the talent of the kids, but just the what all went into it. Uh, yeah, in a way, I do miss
1: that. But, it, but in another way, I... I mean, I, I think that this is a... The thing that's a delicate part about this is there is never going to be a better time for college basketball than the 1980s. I mean, it will never happen. And that... You go through and you look at, at each year's championship year by year. I mean, you had Jordan shot, You had NC State. You had Keith Smart's jumper against Syracuse. You had Michigan winning in overtime against Seton Hall. You had Villanova playing the perfect game, beating Georgetown. You had Georgetown winning the championship. You had five You had Hoya Paranoia. You had the whole gamut um, was in the 80s and the Big East came alive, the ACC was strong, the Big Ten was strong, these figureheads, Knight, Krzyzewski, Crumb, um, that's gone. And that was the era for, that was the golden era, man. It will never be better than that. It just never will be. And once you come to terms with that, and I didn't even see that, but just going back and, and looking at it, I mean, the 90s were great, but the 80s, kill it. I mean, they're just better than every other era in college basketball. And, once I come to terms with that, then I can evaluate things on their own faith. And, uh, do I think that, I mean, what about the year we saw two 15 teams win in the first round that, you know, not to bring that up to you because I knew you went to Mizzou, but, um,
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I that, know story for that, you know, I well, know.
1: I'll never forget that either. You know, I'll, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget Butler. I must win the national championship. And, Each thing, I kind of take it year by year now with college basketball, knowing that next year, whoever decides to leave and whoever these new recruits are, we're going to see an entirely new season. It's not like before where Georgetown lost to Carolina and everyone knew, hey, Georgetown's going to be back and they're going to be back again. And they were. You know, I mean, you knew that was what was going to happen. That's not the case now. It's like, I remember, you know, Carolina, the year Kansas beat them in the uh, final four. I remember thinking, if Carolina's kids come back, they're going to win the championship. And uh, and they did, both those things. Hansburg came back, Green, I mean, all those guys came back and they won the national championship. And that, you know, you will, we will see teams like that from here on out, but we'll see other teams that aren't. And so for the most part, I don't think the carryover effect is what it used to be, where you can't rely on the teams to be back every year. There's going to be down years. There's going to be recruits who are bust. There's going to be, I mean, you know, it's just going to change. And so do I long for those years? In a way, yes. But in another way, no, because they're gone. I mean, we're we're never going to get the golden age back. It's just gone the way the rules are, the way everything is now. It's just gone. and. Uh, there's no sense grappling with it further
0: than that. You, you, you talk briefly in your piece, um, you, you brush by it real quick in your piece about, uh, Dean Smith, about those Carolina teams. I think specifically the 1998 Carolina team was the one that, uh, that, that, that you really broke down the roster for kind of a run. Like it it went back to maybe about the 95 team, I think as well with Jerry Stackhouse in there as well, too. Um, you know that era of North Carolina basketball was really kind of like Dean's um, legacy builder to the, to our generation. Um, just growing up in the area in the ACC country and watching that team, you know, what did that? What was that experience like? Because those were some of the most back-to-back, undeniably talented teams that I can recall for any program in a long, long time.
1: Well, you never, if they were on, and even though I was a Carolina fan, I can't speak to the people who weren't, but when they were on, you watched them. I mean, uh, one night a week, a, a game would be on, the ACC game of the week would be on Jefferson Pilot Sports. And uh, I remember that was a channel in the 50s, and you only got four, five, seven, and nine. And uh, hold on a second, Matt. You're
0: going to have to kill some time. Oh, i am to get back to this in a second. Oh, good. That's a... It's 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 it, it, I bring up that team because I can actually know what I'm gonna tell a story at the time I got that he brought up um, that Mizzou game. They lost in the 15th seed. Norfolk State was in uh, 2012, I think 2012, 2011, something of that sort. Um, it, I mean, a shocker. I could I couldn't have called that. I mean, people look back and say, man, this team's tough. They could give these guys a run didn't see it coming for that Mizzou team. That was a pretty deep team that they had there. It just looked like they stacked up way better at Guard on the perimeter against that team. But, you know, you you see a guy that was the centerpiece of that win, Kylo Quinn, who is the um you know, the the big guy that's still working, um doing good efficient work for the Orlando Magic now too. I mean, you know, a one thing that plays in college is a big man. That's one thing that's still will never change is having a guy underneath the rim that can do work. He certainly did that night. But I bring that up to say that you know I'm uh, last assignment that I did for my dearly departed editor, um, Jonathan Hicks, uh, back at late part of last year was a piece of a basketball a basketball player, a guy with Norfolk State, and I said you know I need you to call this young man and you know have a conversation with him, and I need, I need a piece because we were running out of time both to produce our article and also in in his life, unfortunately. So, um, but, you know, I talked to the young man, and, uh, you know, he's going into his senior year this year. Um, He went into his senior year, I should say. Now it's underway at Norfolk State. And, um, you know, and it didn't dawn on me until about halfway through the conversation who he was. He was the sixth man on that team. He was the newcomer of the year. He was a sophomore. He transferred in from prep school, and um, and he was a newcomer of the year in the division there. And, uh, you know, he talked about that game where they beat Mizzou. And, you know, it just kind of hit me halfway through the interview that, you know, listening to it from the other side and just about how it might have meant to them to represent in that way and, uh, you know, the pride that he's felt being a part of his program for all the years after that, you know, and what it meant now. You know, he's a, he's gone from being, you know, a newcomer, at that time, so now he's one of the, you know, the team leader. You know, he's an all-conference guy. He's a guy, you know, that's looking to continue his career past just college now at this point. And it was just really refreshing to hear that element from him that about what it had meant to grow with that program and what it had meant to start it that way with that big win against Mizzou, against my school, you know, a loss that was tough. that, That day I realized how big of a Mizzou fan I was. To that point, I thought that I was equally a Mizzou fan and a Carolina basketball fan at least, but it became very clear to me that I wasn't as much of a Carolina basketball fan anymore as I was a fan of Mizzou, my alma mater, you know, and the time that I spent there and, you know, the 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 um, allegiance that you feel to your college in many cases and in, in all fronts, you know. So that was a tough day, but it was fantastic to hear it from him and to hear the type of things that... Uh, Go into that, and that's what kind of led me into, you know, really reconsidering the way that I saw college basketball at that time. Because, you know, I, I'm a big fan of of the um, program element of of amateur sports of collegiate sports, at least. And it uh, that was really something that was it was exciting to hear him talk so well of it. And it was um, kind of reminisced back to my days of growing up in programs and playing for Sorry, the same no. guys for that kind of time. Yeah, triple all good. So that was a, um, that was a funny, uh, ironic thing that happened mid-interview that happened there. Um, I'll tell you about that sometime, Mark. It was a good time. Um, now, getting ready to – we were talking about Carolina there um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that team team in the mid-'90s and just, you know, Vince Carter and Jerry Stackhouse, Rasheed Wallace and all those guys and – Really, it was about the time that Dean was handing over the reins of that program. Um, is that a team that you look back and say, how didn't one of these teams win a championship?
1: Well, I mean, yeah. That that team was really, really good. And, and a couple of those teams were really, really good. I I think, um, but, you know, Kentucky was doing their thing there. Um so tough. I mean, there were just a lot of good teams. I, I think now I appreciate that those Carolina team's a lot more because of what those players went on to do in the pros. Um, at the time, they were still must-see TV, but I remember that they were just fun. And like I was saying before, you know, I grew up in the country in Virginia, and um, the way things were then, we didn't have cable. I mean, you didn't live out in the country. You had uh, antennas. And watching the games, it was always on, uh, like, Channel 50 was Jefferson Pilot, and you had we had this thing that used to rotate the antenna on the top of the house. But otherwise, we only had four channels, the NBC, Fox, CBS, and ABC. We'd rotate it so we could see, you know, through the snow, snowy TV, um, we could watch the games. And Carolina was just... <laughs> You knew you had to rotate the antenna when they were when they were going to play. I mean, I, I'll <laughs> never forget as long as I live, I was at my brother-in-law's house, and he did have cable. We went over there one night to watch Duke Carolina. It was one versus two. Carolina beat them by, like, 20. It was in the Dean Dome. And that's the night that Ed Cota threw it off the backboard for, Rashid, uh, for Vince. And Vince missed the dunk, but it was the biggest, I mean, I've never seen a missed dunk that was as awesome. I mean, it was like they were coming down on the fast break, and Carolina was rolling Duke, and it and it was just like it was one of those beautiful things in basketball when the momentum is just so much that it just engulfs the other team. The place was going nuts, and we were going nuts. And Cota comes down the left side of the wing and just tosses it off the glass, and out of nowhere, Vince Carter, holy cow! I mean, the guy just guide for it, and he missed the dunk, and everyone thought he made it, and then no one could find the ball. It was so <laughs> high up in the... No one could find the ball. It came right down to Shimon Williams, and that he did what he always did. He was wide open for three and just knocked it down. So they ended up getting three points instead of two, and it was that kind of night. I mean, they just hammered them, and it was like that play, the way Coda threw it off the glass like he was playing street ball. And the way Vince guided for it, it was like that's what I remember about that team. They were so fun, man. They were so fun. It didn't matter anything. They were so
0: damn fun to watch. Yeah, it was. Just, it was that team. I mean, that's one of those teams. It's one of those things you just remember the starting lineup for, you know. And I think that that's one of the ultimate shows of respect that you can give a team is when you can say, I remember everybody that started on that team, especially a basketball team. It's it, it, it That's a bit far-fetched in football. Um, remembering a batting lineup, a batting order or a starting rotation is possible. But in basketball, you know, I remember all five of those guys and a couple of guys off the bench. That's the highest honor, I feel, in casual sports conversation that you can give a team. And that was certainly one of those teams. I love that team. It was Man, it was a fantastic oh, was a run for them. Uh man, I, I you've given me a few more minutes here, man, and I really initially thought that I'd be able to get with you. I appreciate it, man. I wanna get ready to wrap it up. But um before I before I let you go, man, I gotta ask you. Um, you know, with having gotten these two pieces out this week, um, you know, once again I need anybody and everybody to go and check both those out at the Sports Fan Journal. Um very good. So I think it's clocked. We have a minute clocker now that I always try to beat when I read our articles on the website um it's about it's it's a fascinating little tool i have no idea how to write an a article to fit a certain time but whatever but it's um it's about 17 minutes of reading between the two articles that i think is uh that i think would be worth your time um on the way out man you know kind of setting the door i always believe that there's always a little bit of closure in writing some of the things that you will um that you can and getting those things out there and kind of sharing them with the people um you know, what's been your uh, what, what what's really now for you now that you've had both of these, you know, meaningful departures go on. You know, is there a little bit of closure element to it now as well, now that you've been able to contribute some work to it as well too?
1: I feel like there um certainly is in terms of uh the Tarkanian piece. I think I think with Dean, um I I just wanted to salute The guy and the brand he built, um, because Carolina will be good for a long time. I mean, they'll be like Kansas, and you know, some of these schools are always good. Um, and I think that that's the highest praise you can give him is he built that and he made that what it was, and it will always have that spirit to it. Uh, the thing about Tark meant more to me because Tarkanian built his stuff and it was his stuff. I mean, UNLV. Fresno State, Long Beach State, I mean, these are, they faded back into whatever they were. I mean, they might have a good season here and there, but but it will never be like it was with him. And because he, because writing that piece about him meant so much to my life as a journalist and what I do now um, for a living, it, I needed closure there absolutely. I needed to say, look, this
0: is what it feels like. This is what this guy told me. And, um, this is how it was. Understood, man. Well, I, I certainly appreciate you writing those pieces, putting that out there. Like I was saying at the beginning of the show, I can understand, you know, what it's like to write a piece like that, having not done it not too long ago myself as well for uh, for Brian Burwell. So, you know, that is it, it, there's a certain excitement. There's a certain energy that comes with that and then there's you know then there's the after effect and then there's the always enjoyable way of being able to put your work out there somebody that appreciates it you know i i definitely am glad you could do that i'm glad i'm glad and i'm also glad you could make it here to discuss it man um before i let you go anything out there that's been on your mind that you want to get out there or anything else you got coming up that we need to look for um,
1: I don't know, man. I mean, it's, I'm sure there'll be something come tournament time. I always, I always kind of get a little bit more in my, uh, in my hopper when the NCAA tournament comes around. But um, no nah, man, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to come on.
0: Well, hey, man, I appreciate it, Triple. Thanks for the time, man. And uh, as you know, man, anytime. Thanks, Matt. Hi, right, brother. That is a uh, that is good good friend of mine. Uh, uh, Always honored to work with. I'm happy that I've got him to bounce ideas off of and whatnot. Mark Tribble from the Sportsman Journal that joined us tonight. Only um, a couple few few more minutes we got left here um, to go into a few things. Um, I on the way out, you know, I mentioned on the way in, I had done my um, top ten players in um, college and, and, and it's college basketball. We talked about it so much I can't even remember getting into it now. Um, that we went into the uh, we went into the um, top. Ten players by position in major league baseball today over the last few weeks, and um this was a tough that is always an annually tough thing to write. I'm writing kind of a breakout or a um do you say a recap for it um this, this this tomorrow I think I'll put that out why not for let it let it close the week out but um a tough decision doing that because you always have to look at the fact that there's so many guys that are coming and going there's some guys that are becoming you know on their way down or moving moving up. To get a balance there and a snapshot of just a position is tough. But it always creates a really interesting debate amongst people, you know, that will come forth and do it. And next week, um, I think I'm actually gonna get a few people that have been kinda engulfed in that to come on. We're gonna talk through that a little bit because when we get done with that we'll be going into um Bigger season. when I do the top 100 players in baseball, it's become kind of an annual thing for me over at Sportsman Journal as well too. And um, then getting into a little bit of a debate, but a little interactive thing for people about the um, about the face of Major League Baseball as well too, and kind of answering the charge that the Major League Baseball Network put out there. So um, I think there's a better way. I think there's a more entertaining way to go about that. But uh, we might get in and talk about that next week. I got a few people that I know will. Uh, We'll always be down to debates and things like that. But uh, like I said, man, um, you know, we'll bring it to a close there, I think, for the week. It's been a a good show. I'm always glad when we can have people come through and um, discuss the things that they've written. Because it's two different processes, discussing the things that you've written and then putting putting words to them as well, too, um, for the people. So uh, I think we'll close it out. Um, As always, you can find my work on – Twitter, at CheapseatFan Seat Fan. You find my thoughts there. You might find a little bit about my Discord with lunch or with Kanye West today. I don't know. You never know where it goes. Twitter is random. But, um you know, so we'll wrap that up here. But this is the National Gridiron Network. Uh, stay tuned later on. Uh, more programming coming up on the heels of this one. Uh, and, and then you can catch my work at the Sports Fan Journal. You can find me on Twitter. Find me at I-70 Baseball. You can find me at CheapSeatsPlease.wordpress.com. Until then, this is your host, Matt Whitener. Thanks for coming back for another week, keeping it with me live from the cheap seats. Good night. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just
1: about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky!